You're listening to the sermon podcast by Southside Baptist Church in Florence, South Carolina. We exist to know God and to make Jesus known. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. Well, as we start into the sermon this morning, we're going to be in a sermon titled, What Child Is This? And we will be in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through Seven. So Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Christmas is an awesome time of year and a busy time of year. Many of us have family traveling. Many of you have traveled in to be here today. Many of you may be traveling uh, this afternoon and this evening. There's uh, travel and planning and celebrations and parties and gifts and card writing and all that sort of stuff. But in all of this, we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come. We celebrate the fact that Christ has arrived, that God is faithful and the joy that we have because of Jesus, the hope that we have in Christ, the peace that we have from him and the love that he has for us and the way that we love him in return. Christmas is a time, too, of worship. It's a time where there are many different songs and Christmas carols that we sing and that we listen to. And one of those that's well known is, What Child Is This? It's a beautiful song about the awesome reality of God taking on human form. The God of the universe, this baby in a manger. What child is this says this, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch or keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, praise, the babe, the son of Mary. This babe in the manger is the long-awaited-for Messiah, And there's something about Christmas and all the good and all the busyness of it where we, it just draws us in and people act a little bit nicer. People act a little bit more joyful, a little bit more giving. We think of the nativity. We think of the shepherds and the wise men. But most importantly, we think about the son that was given to us. And in Isaiah, we see we're nearly 700 years before Christ, where this moment was promised Another place in Scripture where God said that this would happen. But we see some truths in this text about this child that was given to us, the man that he would grow to be, and the God that he is. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, I pray that you would just teach us. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word to us. And Lord, I pray that in all the busyness of the season and all the exciting things, that we would have our eyes and that we would have our focus on you. Lord, because of you, you changed everything. You changed our lives and are changing our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would continue just to grow us. Lord, we thank you for the son that was given to us. And Lord, may we be more like him. 
In Jesus' name, amen. As we think about this this morning, there's a few things here in the text that I just want to kind of start off with. We see a son given. We talked last week about how the father so loved that he gave Jesus. We talked about John 3, 16. Well, here is one more example of the promise of a son given in the biblical text. God loved and then God gave. God gave because God loved. We also see then that the government will rest on his shoulders. The older I get, the better and better this sounds. The more and more beautiful this reality that politics, government, nations, uh, all the different media, all that sort of stuff will eventually find rest on his shoulders. One day the government will find that peace. There will be one central theme in government, and that will be serving the eternal king forever. This is a day that as Christians we long for and we hope for. The king will reign and that will be that. And we see that reality reflected again in verse 7. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. His rule will be an eternal rule. It won't end. There's no end to his reign. It will be perfect, and the government will finally find rest with the one who was meant to govern and the one who was meant to rule. This son that was promised, he will reign. But here's where I want our focus to be on this morning in the text. There are four names that are four descriptions of this son given that are important for us to know because that how that uh, shows us his identity, who he is, But those are also helpful things for us to remember this holiday season and all the busyness and all those things to remember who Jesus is. So the first thing that I want us to see then today is that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. James Vernon McGee says this, wonderful, this isn't just an adjective, it's his name, The way wonderful is used here and in other places in the biblical text isn't just as an adjective, but is in the context true of his identity. So wonderful isn't just a descriptor. Wonderful is who he is. Everything about him is wonderful. And sadly for some and who are Christians, I think there are some who fully don't grasp this. Jesus is more than just someone we come to church and hear about or more than we read about during uh, the week or the pictures, you know, you may see hanging up in a church. And part of that, I think we get into this normal routine of who we see Christ to be. But in all, all the time and always, he is wonderful. He is fully good. He is, he is the essence of hope and joy, peace, love, restoration, Everything good and everything beautiful finds its source in Him. Wonderful is an apt identification for Him. He is truly wonderful. And my prayer is that in this Christmas season, and this holiday season as we begin the new year, is that for each one of us, we will take a moment and think about how wonderful Christ truly is. He is good in every season. He is faithful in every season. And we've seen that in our church as we went through this journey. 
but he is truly wonderful. But you'll also see then that he is also counselor. James Vernon McGee also says this, he never sought the counsel of man and he never asked for the advice of man. He is the one who is the source of wisdom and counsel. The author of your story, the one who is writing all of our stories, needs no advice on what happens next. He doesn't need your direction on what happens next in your life. But he is also amazing because he is the absolute best place to find wisdom and counsel for your life. Where better to turn than the author of your story? And we have the privilege of getting to speak to and getting counsel from our Lord and Savior. His counsel is good. It's always best, and his counsel is always true. So there's two parts of this, then, that I want you to see about him being wonderful counselor this morning. First off, run to him when you need counsel. So often in life, we run to different places when we need help. We so often run to other places first. We talk to parents or friends or spouses, and that counsel may be good. That counsel may be wise, but the first person we should turn to is him. How often do we run to other things and then neglect running to the one who can actually help us? We neglect running to the God who cares for us. And then secondly, to hear him when he gives counsel. I talked with the students this semester, and one of our series we did was called Through the Noise. And that was talking about seeing Jesus through all the distractions in life, focusing on Christ through all the clutter uh, that can happen in our lives. And part of that, seeing Christ through all the distractions, means to listen to Him, to listen to how He leads, to listen and see the opportunities given to be in Scripture, to be immersed in God's Word, to read and to see what God has written for us? Are we praying? Are we communicating with God in such a way that we are saying things, but we're also listening? There have been many times in my life where I needed counsel. We as humans so often do. From our perspective, we don't get to see the full picture. We see parts of it, and we Oftentimes, that can lead us to places of confusion or where we don't know which direction to go. So for us, seeking counsel can be good and godly. In that, though, there have been a few clear moments in my life where God was really clear. I didn't audibly hear him, but it was like he put a flashing neon light on just so I would realize that it was him making something evident. I didn't audibly hear, but the choice became really clear. And one such time was in going to seminary. At the end of Bible college, uh, Bible college was wrapping up. We were getting ready to get married, uh, getting ready for a transition. But I was still in that place of like, God, what's next? What's next for our lives and our stories? And I remember I was at the Emmaus Walk. Uh, and there was a retreat uh, there in uh, North, uh, that was in Kentucky at the time. Uh, we were at the Emmaus Walk, and uh, on that weekend, God just made it really clear in such a way that it moved me. It was very evident the direction that He had for me, uh, and it was just overwhelming the peace and the confidence because God made that path clear. And I believe that God does that, He makes our paths clear. So, as we apply this then, in this Christmas season, remember 
God gives good counsel. Whatever your need, wherever you're going, seek the Lord. Secondly then, pray diligently. We neglect prayer to our own detriment. We have access to the God of the universe who loves us and wants to have relationship with us and wants to speak with us. Don't be prone to run to other places first. Run to Jesus. How is your prayer life this morning? Remember, He is not secondary, but seeking Him should be primary and central in all of our decision-making. Thirdly then, the Lord is wonderful. This Christmas, how can you take time to reflect on how good He has been, how good He is, and how good He will be? Worship Him this Christmas. Secondly then, point number two, we see that He is mighty God. In Hebrew, this is the name El Gabor, the God who is all-powerful. Notice that the name here very clearly means that this child is God in the flesh. Some other groups want to deny the divinity of Jesus. You have Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc. This is one such reason that they are deemed heretics. They have missed the reality that this baby in the manger is God in the flesh. If you have seen the Son, you have seen the face of the Father. The name of God is directly placed on this child. But also note the power of this one. The one being rocked to sleep and the one being cradled by Mary is the one who made the stars, who made the laws of the universe, who created gravity and made and sustains our bodies and their systems and their functions. He maintains the orbits and all the different things that we think about uh, in the biological and in the realm of physics. The one who made Mary is now being cradled by her. Gabor is interesting because it is used, the Hebrew word is often used and associated with battle. One such place is 2 Samuel 23, 8. It's an example about the mighty warriors of David. These were David's mighty men, and Gabor is used here. So with El Gabor, we see this one as both God and warrior, the one whom holds all power, every ounce the one who is strong, the one who is able to rescue and be victorious. As we think about the ability to rescue, I want you to use your imaginations with me for a minute this morning. And I don't want us to go too crazy with it, so don't get too worried. But imagine for a second that the building is on fire, okay? Place yourself in that moment, in that situation, in that, in that heat of the flames, do you want me to come show up and like pull you out? Or do you want a firefighter? Right? My answer and your answer should be the firefighter. Why? Because the firefighter is equipped, trained, prepared, able to rescue. Now, I may know that, I know that seems silly uh, this morning, but so many people are in situations where you need rescue. So many people are in situations where you need help. And too often, we run to other things. We run to lesser things that can't help you and they can't save you. Instead of running to Jesus, you run to money or success 
or career or to friends or to family. And the one you need to run to is the one who is able to rescue you. Stop running to lesser things. Run to Jesus. El Gabor means that God is strong and that God can save you. That thing that you're carrying, that weight that is upon you, it may be too heavy for you. It may be too difficult for you. Your situation may be too painful. It's not too heavy for him. So this Christmas, as we apply this, hear me this morning. Some of you need to surrender that weight that you're carrying. Financial, medical, fears of the future, so many other things. Surrender that to him the one who can actually carry it. He is strong. Secondly then, stop running to lesser things to find rescue. Stop running to lesser things to find your satisfaction and your worth and your value in. Run to Jesus. He is able to rescue you. Thirdly then, we see this reality. He is the everlasting Father. The Father of all things. The one who is from the beginning the one who is of his nature everlasting, the one who was and is and is to come, by whom are all things, through whom are all things. This child given is the one who is eternal. This child is the creator. We see this multiple times in Scripture. Colossians 1.16, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. And again in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, but for us there is one God, the Father, by whom all, all, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. Once again, we see the name of the child is connected with the Father. The divinity and the humanity of this child are certain. He is the one who has always been and he will always be. Time and space and matter and physics and destiny and the laws of nature and all those things are made by him. They are his design and his plan. He is in control. Abraham Kuyper says this. This is a fantastic quote. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. As we apply this, he is the one who made all things and for whom are all things. Hear me this morning. If this God, who is all-powerful, all-strong, all-knowing, can keep everything spinning and everything in its place, who is in control, and he can maintain all of that, then this Christmas and this season, he can take care of you. Whatever problem you're facing, it's not too big for him. Whatever situation you're in, it's not too big for him. The God who maintains the universe can take care of you this morning. So this Christmas, trust your heavenly Father. Secondly then, you exist for him. You exist for Jesus. How can you glorify Christ with your words and your actions this Christmas? For many of you, that could look like this. Sharing him. Maybe that is a friend or maybe that is a family member who doesn't know Christ who you need to take the opportunity to share Jesus with this Christmas. Maybe that's being intentional and sharing Jesus with someone. Maybe that's serving others. 
Christmas is a time of year where we are reminded of service, and we often uh, see service as one of those things that uh, we try to do more of. Uh, You know, there'd be different events that are kind of service-themed. But how can you serve other people this season? Thirdly then, worship Him in solitude. Not only in corporate setting, not only with your family, but how can you worship Him individually? Are you uh, diving into God's word? Are you praying the way you should? Is there, can you set, a time, set aside some time in this busy season to intentionally worship him individually to where you are worshiping, worshiping him alone? Then you can worship him with your family. Christmas is a great time. Uh, and many of you may have those traditions of, you know, reading the Christmas story together, praying together, uh, maybe even singing carols together. But how can you worship him as a family? And then finally on this, love others, even if they annoy you, okay? We've all got the odd family members, the uh, crazy uncles, the estranged cousins, all that sort of stuff. How can we love people, even if we may not necessarily get along all the time? Love others. Fourthly, then, we see this fact, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace is a beloved name of Christ. See, peace isn't just friendliness between enemies. That's not just you like getting mad at your coworker one day and you decide not to punch him, and then that's like peace, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Peace speaks of a total cessation of wrongness. Everything as it was meant to be. A word that we could use is harmony. You and that coworker, you and that family member, you and that friend actually being best friends because there's nothing between you in the first place. There's nothing distancing you. Peace speaks of a state of rightness in the world because of Christ. Right now, that's not the case. We see this in our world. We know that there's violence and politics and wars and rumors of wars, people not being in harmony with each other, people not being in harmony with creation, people not being in harmony with God. The reality of Jesus being the Prince of Peace means that this rightness that we're talking about is true to who He is. He is the one who restores. He is the one who is able to restore your family. He is the one who is able to restore that friendship. He is the one who is able to restore that uh, friendship with that coworker. Whatever that may look like, peace comes through Jesus. And one of the things that I love, and this is an Old Testament idea that we see often in Scripture, uh, and that is this reality that He is the one who breaks the bow and bends the spear and causes the wars to cease. And that's true to who he is. Peace, being right with God and right with each other through Jesus, this will be true of his reign and his kingdom. And as citizens of this kingdom, even though this is yet future, we now belonging to Christ and being part of the, part of the kingdom of heaven, that should be a reality for us now too, not just then, that we be peacemakers that peace be something because we so love Christ and Christ is in us that then peace then comes out of us to other people, that we be people of peace. And peace will be the standard for eternity. So as we apply this then, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So here's some ramifications for you uh, for Christmas. There's ramifications for your family. 
restoration is possible in Christ. Oftentimes that will look like forgiveness. Forgiveness is possible with Christ. Peace doesn't just have to be a future concept that we talk about, but it can be a present possibility and a present reality as well. So this Christmas, how can peace reign in your home and in your realms of influence? Maybe that's making peace with someone that you're estranged with. Maybe that's forgiving someone, taking the first step and forgiving that person. Maybe that's just being kind. Being kind, smiling, shaking hands, saying Merry Christmas. All those things can then be bridges uh, those relationships improve. Secondly, then we see this. Peace isn't weak, but powerful. We've already talked about this reality of that God is the one who causes the wars to cease, breaks the bows and bends the spears. And that part of that is also because he is not only Prince of Peace, but he is also El Gabor. Likewise, choosing peace in life isn't weakness, but strength. The harder path is often the path of forgiveness, mercy, grace, kindness, turning the other cheek. And those are all ways that we can be like him during this season. So as we draw to a conclusion this morning, I'm reminded of another great Christmas song, Angels from the Realms of Glory. And it says this, Though an infant, now we view him. He shall fill his father's throne. Gather every nation to him. Every knee shall then bow down. Although today we celebrate his birth, we realize on the theological calendar, on the what comes next for us, that we are closer to his return than to the first advent. The next thing for us on the theological time clock is Jesus coming again. And when he does, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Today, as we celebrate Christmas, we do so remembering what Christmas is about. The peace that comes from knowing God. The peace that reigns in our church and in our relationships. The joy that we have the joy that surpasses understanding because of what he's done for us, the hope that we have in God, that he will return and we will one day be with him. And then we were reminded of the love that God shares with us and the fact that Christ, the Messiah, has come. So today we celebrate Jesus.